You're listening to Perfectly Scarred. This is the place where we are sharing our scars through various stories and testimonies. The mission of Perfectly Scarred is to encourage you to know that your scars matter and it is important to share with others so that they too can walk in freedom. So let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Scarred. I am your host, Kayla Nelson, and I am joined today by Sissy Hudson. Um, Sissy, can you just introduce yourself and let the people know who you are? Absolutely. Thank you, Kayla, for having me. Um, my name is Sissy Hudson, and I'm from Brandon, Mississippi. I attend First United Pentecostal Church in Brandon. Um, the pastor there is uh, Reverend Ken Irby. And I have been at this church for 25 years. I left just for a little bit to help with the home missions church for a few years, but this has been my home church. So I I have Sissy on today because we are going to talk about uh, mother wounds and how to heal from that. Um, But it's a funny story because Sissy, she uh, reached out to me in the email. So this is a long time coming, but I know that God, he works out everything all for our good. So um, he knew when we needed this. And we had a conversation the other day and we got on the subject and I was like, that's it. We're going, we're going. And I asked if she wanted to talk about her relationship with her mom and she agreed. And so we're here and we're having this conversation so that we can help someone else. Um, so, but first off, Miss Sissy, can you just, uh, share how you came into the church and just your background with us? I sure can. Um, um, my mom and dad, uh, were very young and, um, they were married. My dad was 16. My mom was 18 and, um, uh, they weren't in church living for God. And my mom got pregnant with me. And um, anyway, my, they lived a wild party and lifestyle and they ended up separating. And during that separation period, my dad, he worked offshore and he um, met a man named Larry Talent um, who was apostolic, one is Pentecostal, mm-hmm. and he won my dad to the Lord. And so my dad, during this time, tried to reconcile with my mother. And um, I want to say they got together just for a short period, and she didn't really want anything to do with the um, apostolic doctrine. And um, so they parted ways. They ended up getting a divorce. Um, I ended up getting to live with my dad and my grandmother, which is my dad's mom. And, um, and during that time, I want to say I was three years old when my dad met my stepmother and they ended up getting married. So you could say I was introduced into the church at three years old, um, going to church. Well, I'm not three years old, somewhere up in there. My dad got in church. Um, I don't really know exactly the age during that, but to my recollection, my recollection, um, I would say I was about seven years old, you know, when I realized, oh, this is, you know, we go to church, we, you know, we pray, we do these things. Um, But so from the age of, you know, from three to nine years old, you know, I was raised into a loving home um, where we went to church and we prayed together. And, um, you know, at nighttime, you know, we'd have our devotions. And so that opened up the door for me, you know, to learn about the things of God. And um, anyway, during that time, um, my biological mom, she lived a very unstable lifestyle. Um, she had, she is kind of jumping from relationship to relationship. So I very seldom had the opportunity to really get to see her, you know, much. Um, I do recall 
you know, three or four times during those years of getting to see her. But she did end up settling down and she married my stepdad. Um, and during that time, she got her life to, you know, somewhat together and had a good job, a good stable job. And um, I can remember my dad bringing me to the church and he set me on the altar and he told me that my mother got custody of me and how someone can just come in and just have, have custody of you when they've never really been a part of your life. I don't understand all that. You know, God knows his ways are, are higher of why we have to go through certain situations. But, um, I could remember feeling, you know, scared, um, like I'm fixing to go live with a complete stranger, you know, and this man, that's her husband that, that I don't really know. Mm -hmm. And, um, we lived in Louisiana at the time. Um, and I remember moving in, um, and I suffered with earaches a lot. I'm trying not to redo my whole testimony, you know, the testimony that I sent you, because it's mm -hmm. like trying to, trying to lead up to, you know, how, you know, we can be wounded in, in some areas and how we can be healed. Yeah. But I can remember laying in my bed crying and um, I had a really bad earache. And this is how I realized that we were not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. I remember crying out and from the other room, I could hear my stepdad cursing and telling my mom that she needed to do something with me, shut me up. I got to go to sleep. I got to go to work tomorrow. So all those things, you know, through a child's mind, um, I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, come pray with me. That's what my dad does. You know, yeah. lay your hand in and just come tell me everything's going to be okay. Give me a hug. Give me a kiss goodnight. Because those were the things that I was used to. Mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't get that. I got cussed at, um, I got called just all kind of names. Um, and as a child, I never could understand, you know, how a mother could allow, you know, someone to treat their child like that. And I had an older brother. My mom had another, had a child older, a year older. 11 months older than me from a previous relationship. Mm -hmm. And for some reason he targeted me and my older brother. And when I say targeted, I'm, I'm not talking about spankings because I believe in spankings. You know, you should spank your children. You should discipline, but these were more than spankings. These were beatings. Mm -hmm. um, if we sat at the table and if we smacked our food or if we didn't hold our fork just right or sit up, if we didn't do it just right, we got slapped away from the table. Um, we got dogs. Um, you know, you sit on the floor because you're eating like a dog. Um, so all those things as a, as a child, you know, begins to build up in your life. And, you know, I suffered with anxiety, depression, you know, all these things through the, through the years because of, because of those things, self-worth, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not been good enough. Um, you know, all those things, because those things affect you, you know, as you're growing. And so I know some of you may wonder, well, where was your dad during all this time? Well, he ended up, moving to Arkansas, helping a home missions church. Cause my dad was ended up being called to preach. And so he moved away. So I very seldom got to see him. And, um, but he would call from time to time. And I can remember being on the phone with him and just crying, you know, like I wanted to tell him what was going on, but, you know, I had my mom sitting there and, you know, I couldn't really pour my heart out to tell him what I was going on. Yeah. But um, anyway, I remember my mom telling me, you know, if you're going to cry every time you get on the phone with your dad, well, you're not going to talk to him anymore. So I had to, you know, I love talking to my dad. 
so uh so then through the years of that from age nine to about 14 or 15 um there was so much going on my parents would go out on the weekends and while they were going out of the weekends me and my brother would sneak into my mom's liquor cabinet and I mean we were young we were 10, 11, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, yeah. you know, drinking alcohol and and just getting drunk at an early age and smoking cigarettes and, you know, just, I really think just trying to numb pain, yeah. I guess, or, or mimic things that you see, you know, in the household. So with the, because you said mimic things that you see, so basically, your mom and stepdad drunk and yes y'all wanted to do that as well right exactly mimic the things that they do you know they're alcoholics and drinking and partying but they were able to hold a job you know I wouldn't say it was like a thing you know they would drink during the week but they would really drink a lot on the weekends and so um so seeing all that being uh the abuse and, and all that. And I do want to share a little bit of a story of how things that happen in your childhood and then correlate that with, as you get older, I can remember a situation um, where I was making a sandwich and I shared that in my, in my Mm -hmm. testimony of how I was using a spoon with some mayonnaise and I was making me a sandwich and my stepdad came in there and he snatches the spoon out of my hand and, you know, starts beating me on top of the head with it and slinging mayonnaise everywhere. And he said, why don't you use a butter knife? That way you can scrape the mayonnaise off and you won't waste mayonnaise. And fast forward to being married, I can remember standing there making a sandwich with a spoon and my husband coming in and he said, babe, you know, why don't you use a butter knife? You know, you can kind of scrape it off. And this was my earlier, this is before the healing process yeah. and before Jesus. <laughs> so it triggered something. We don't realize that things from our childhood can, can trigger things in our adulthood. And yeah. sometimes we don't even realize where they come from. And I can remember grabbing that spoon and slinging mayonnaise all over the place. And I'm like, I will use a spoon anytime I get good and ready to use a spoon to make my sandwich. You don't tell me what I'm going to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that's a wound. Yeah. And we have a tendency to do that even as adults, if things have happened tragic in, in our earlier years, those are defense mechanisms. And those are things that are walls that we pull, put up that, that, that trigger those responses. So um, anyway, we, my, me and my older brother, we ran away a couple of times and um, I always wanted to go back and live with my, with my grandmother because, you know, I lived with her earlier during my, um, during my life. And, you know, cause that's the one that spoiled me, you know, that's Verna, my biological, you know, my, my real name. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so the second time that I ran away, I want to say it was about 14 or 15. um, My mom actually let me go live with her. And um, during this time, I went from from the very beginning, went from a loving home to an abusive home to now I'm in a home that I can do whatever I want to. I mean, the sky's the limit. I, and, and here I am in my teenage years and I'm a girl and I'm girl, I'm boy crazy during this time. And so you can imagine without going into a lot of detail, how wild I got. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're probably dealing with those insecurities, self-worth. You're probably dealing yeah. with it all. So it's Look all wrong places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I started getting in trouble at school, um, suspended for fighting. I know people look at me now and be like, what? Fighting? Yes. When you have those wounds, because I was determined in my life that after I moved away from that home, that nobody will ever hurt me like that again. So all goes up 10 foot tall. And 
So anybody that come across as um, negative or something to tear down my self-worth. I mean, I mean, like it was like I had to physically get involved and feel like that I had to, that's how I had to solve things. And, um, and of course, you know, looking back on it now, of course, that's not how we, how we solve things. But anyway, I, I went from there to getting into a lot of trouble. Um, like I said, being suspended from school, uh, just carrying all this baggage with me. Well, by this time, my dad had moved to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. My whose name is Ryan. Um, he passed away with leukemia, but during that time, he had he had cancer, and they moved to the Mississippi area so they could go to UMC to get treatment for him. And you know, people ask me, "Well, why didn't you move move in with your dad?" During, you know, instead of going to your grandmother's. Well, by the time I'm 15 years old, you know, I had so much bitterness. I was mad at him. I feel like you know that he just left me, you know, to defend for myself. Yeah. And um. I was really kind of hard towards the church because I'm like, you know, you go to Arkansas, leave me and go help a church. But what about your child? You know, so I've got all these emotions and all this, all this bitterness, you know, pinned up inside. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but around 15, 15, 16 years old, you know, I was getting into so much trouble that I that I did call my dad and ask him, could I um, can I move in with him? And he agreed. And so I moved in with my dad and um, there's six of us children on this side, but I'm the only one that my mom and dad had. So I'm the eldest. So the rest of them are, you know, doorsteps and um, 15 years between me and my, the youngest one, my sister. And so here I go to my dad's. I have all this baggage, all this just wounds and hurts. Yeah. And and I just, here I am dumping this on my stepmom, who was a wonderful, wonderful mom. Um, and they're dealing with a child with leukemia. You know, these are things that I can look back and say, man, how did my parents handle all that? You know, how did they do it? Yeah. God. And so they just loved me. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say it was an easy road because it wasn't because I gave them fits because, yeah you know, I just had all this baggage. And so, um, I had gotten the Holy ghost. I did get the Holy ghost when I was very young. I want to say around seven years old, but you know, when you're young, you know, it was just, yeah. 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 So, uh, so I moved, you know, moved back in with them and I start going to church and of course, you know, I really wasn't, still was wearing, you know, immodest apparel and things. And so when I went to church in my immodest clothes and my little mini skirts and, you know, because my dad and stepmom, they were trying to love me into this. Yeah. And so when you hear whispers in the church of, you know, there's the preacher's kid, but they don't know your story, you know, they don't, you came from. And, you know, so that was kind of starting to leave a, at that time, leave a little bad taste in my mouth for church. And it's like, you know, if I can't go to the church, where, where am I supposed to go to unload all this baggage and hurt that I have? But my parents and um, the pastor at that time and several ladies in the church, you know, they put me under their wings and, and just loved on me. And, you know, you're going to have that. I don't care what, where you're, where you're at at what church you go to, there's always going to be a few in there that I will just say a a form of religion, you know, they go to church, fulfill their duties, but the love of God isn't there. Um, I've learned through the years to just pray for, pray for people like that and pray that God will just open up their hearts one day and they get a genuine love for God and people and not be so judgmental. So, but anyway, I, um, you know, like I said, trying to, trying to get my life together and, you know, something that always, or something that 
I could never understand, understand now. But then at the time was, and you and I talked about this, mm -hmm. is you can have the Holy Ghost, but yet you still don't feel whole. Right. And, and I think that's where a lot of people are in the church yeah. because much baggage and wounds that they pray, they speak in tongues and they love God and they, and they love people, but yet there's a part of them where they just don't feel whole. And right. that always confused me. And I know God's not the author of confusion, but I think in order to be whole, we have to get real with God. Oh. And that's things that I had to learn how to do. Yes. And I realized, you know, carrying all this baggage and, you know. Um, so I'm not trying to interrupt. What age no. were you at when you had to get real? Like had that moment, like it just clicked. Um that came years later and you know that's sad to say because um because I didn't feel whole and I didn't know how to get whole um and I'm not blaming the church I'm not blaming because that's one thing another thing that I've learned is we cannot become the victim we right. can't become the I but I want to be that voice to help people help them get whole you know what I'm saying through my journey through my walk where where things may have fell, fallen through the crack through the years of, you know, we'll just pray through and get over it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That reality of, and the church has gotten a whole lot better with, yeah. with people deal with their wounds. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that because people are realizing that, you know what, we're human. Yes. We're only human and yeah. we have scars and we have things that we deal with. And if we can help people, to get past that, because what I see a lot of people do is they will operate in their gifts and talents with that wound yes. and what is wound others. Yeah. I and often say, um, and it, what, the number one reason why I wanted to start this is because I didn't have it growing up mm -hmm. think about how much, you know, I could have avoided, or I could have, you know, the tools I could have had to, get out of certain situations or not put myself in such certain situations because I grew up in the church, you know, like you, like I had that background. I knew right. about it. I just didn't know what I know now. And I yeah. wanted to start at an early age for young women or yeah. you know, just making people aware, like you do have a little work. You do have work to do mm -hmm. after you get the Holy Ghost after yeah. you, you know, get baptized in Jesus name, you had to, you came out of darkness and yeah. just like the Israelites, they had to go through the wilderness and, right. and, and even because they did not get it out, they could not enter the promised land. And oh, yeah. many of us are, our promises are hindered because we cannot get, we're not recognizing that we need to get this stuff out of us. We need to heal. We need to acknowledge our wounds, but we're going around and around in the yeah. wilderness because, and we spend years there. Years. Dreams are gone. Dream, like there's so many uh, dreams and aspirations and gifts and talents. Um, I don't know if you know, but Dr. Miles Monroe, he said uh, the number one place where dreams are is in the grave. Mm. And that's sad, you it know, is. because it, it dies with you. You right. never get it out because you never heal. And, it, it, and if you do get it out, you're not operating to the capacity to where God will desires you to be. That's awesome. You know? That is great. You know, I just, I, I just, it saddens me because I'm like, and that's how I felt. I had this hurt. I had this, I had this stuff going on and I'm like, why can I not, why do I not feel free? Right. <laughs> why do I not feel free? Or why do I keep putting myself in these relationships? Why, you know, I want to, that are not good for me. You know, mm -hmm. I keep settling. I keep choosing the wrong person time after time. And it was just like, well, you got to look inside. That's, yeah. you know, that's one thing God told me, 
Like you got to look internal. <laughs> but so and until we realize who we are in Christ, and that took me years. Yeah. And it sounds so simple, but yet it was so hard for me to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, you're worthy. You know, you are worthy to be loved. You are worthy to be treated good. You know, God, good things for you. And like, like you were talking about bad relationships or picking the wrong relationships. We gravitate to how we feel about ourselves. Right. And that's can be sad if we have a, a negative outlook on who we think we are, you know, and we will settle, you know, for somebody treating us bad or, or we feel like we have to enter this relationship because I have to help that person. I have to help them because they need God. And I'm the one that's going to do very preaching. Yeah. (laughs) Look, (laughs) but really I'm the one that needs the help. Yeah. So instead of, me getting it right with God, but I did not realize that. And I know I'm a, sometimes I'm a slow learner and I'm hard headed, but when I do learn it, I look back at that road and I'm going, mm-hmm, I'm not going back down there. Right. right. At least I try, you know, <laughs> but, right. That's good. That's good. That's good. So I have a question. Okay. Um, so and you talked a little bit about it, but can you really kind of go into like how that, because you said you had this, the, the realness moment. What did you realize that as far as your relationship with your mother, how that affected, how, how that really affected you and impacted your life? Um, my real moment came when, um, you know, I had gotten in the church then got out of, got back out of church once again, just still not feeling whole, um, still not feeling, you know, and don't get me wrong. The Holy Ghost can miraculously instantly change a person. Right. Um, but like I said, sometimes I'm just a slow learner and thank the Lord for his goodness and his grace. And his and patience. His, yes. And his <laughs> patience. It can. He is so long suffering when it oh. comes to me. <laughs> and, um, I had married a guy that I thought was in church and my dad told me, he said, baby, he don't have everything that he says he's got, but I was in love, you know? So I ended up marrying him. And soon as I said, I do, it wasn't long. He got to church. Well, of course, when he got out of church, I got out of church was just, which is not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I ended up, um, I was out of church when I married the man that I'm with now of 26 years. I love him to death. And that's a whole nother story, but he does Holy Ghost, but he is, he's going to get the Holy Ghost. I claim it. Right. Amen. Amen. But it was during a time that, um, you know, I'm operating in my gifts and talents with, with a wounded spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, I was in the choir, I've taught Sunday school, um, had my kids in Christian education. Um, I was one of the teachers there. So I'm doing all this, these things for God. I'm working for Jesus. Right. Realizing that I'm working in it with a wounded spirit. Yeah. And, and so I can remember a time where, um, our church went through some church splits. I don't know if you've ever been through that. It's, it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible um, experience, you know, when you feel like that your brothers and sisters can't get along. And, and that was another thing that confused me because here I am, I'm still not whole. I'm yeah. living for working for God. Um, but you see your brothers and sisters bickering, uh, you know, amongst one another. And then, you know, church splits and different things going on. Um, it's just carnality. It's, it's, you know, it all boils down to carnality, um, wanting your own way and not disunity. And the devil knows that if he can ever get the church disunified, then he's got us. Oh, yeah. Those are things that I've learned the past 12, 10, 12 years. Um, 
So anyway, I decided to go help this home missions church with music and, um, and during this time, we began to get all kind of different people into the church, uh, non-denominational people, people that are coming from a Baptist background, um, Catholic background, you know, they were coming in and they were receiving the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, this is it, you know, this is, and it, and it, and it was partially, partially it. I mean, this God wanted us to do to get outside these four walls because I've always heard the saying and it's so true when fishermen don't fish they fight and that that is so true so when you're not out winning lost souls you end up it's like the body just begins to attack the body and so I was like wow this is it I mean this is revival this is what it's all about and but then I began to um see certain things begin to uh to be lost and when I say lost um like holiness outward standards and and things and so I began to become a little bit confused in my mind because I didn't have that firm foundation for myself you know that's religion I say religion I tried to have his relationship and my stepmom's relationship and other people's relationship but I still did not have my own relationship. Like I thought I did, but I didn't until I went through this period of time in my life, dark, dark time. Um, so I began to watch some of my friends um, put on pants, cut their hair, um, do these different things outwardly. And I can remember laying on my floor in my bedroom crying out to God because I'm like, you know, how can this be the wrong way to go? You know, if all these people are coming in and, you know, the church is growing, you know, and all these, you know, people are loving on one another. See, that's what I was missing. I was missing that, that love that you supposed to be feeling from one. And, you know, and so in my mind, I was just thinking about, you know, when I look at my people, you know, they're, you know, people are back by not everybody, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. the devil he will blind you to some things. Oh, yeah. And I remember laying on my floor, crying out to God. And I'm like, God, I need you. I, I need to know, you know, if I'm headed in the right direction or, you know, I, I, I don't want to be lost. And I've been taught this all my life. And I just need to know, is this the right way to go? And it was a transformation moment. I remember hearing the Lord's voice and he told me that I had bitterness and I had unforgiveness in my spirit mm-hmm. and that I didn't get rid of it, that he could send me a strong delusion to believe a lie. Mm. And I've never heard that scripture before because I know God will never give you in prayer something that he will never, that he will not back up in his word. Right. So in that moment of time, it shook me to my core. I ran and grabbed my phone and I Googled strong delusion to believe a lie. Bible, mm-hmm. And it was in second Thessalonians two and 11. Mm-hmm. I will never, it says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh. I never, I never want to be delusioned. God, what am I doing? And, and let me back up before he gave me that scripture. I can remember laying on the floor, turmoiling with God and crying kind of like, I felt like Jacob, like this was my Jacob moment. And I remember listing everything that I ever done for him. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I listed everything. I'm like, I taught Sunday school. I did this. And by the way, during this time, my children were teenagers at the time and both of my girls and um, my son, he was, I want to say he was about nine or 10, but my girls were running wild. They were boy crazy during this time. I think I was raping a little bit what I said, but they were running wild, you know, and I was thinking about the church splits that I've been through. And then now I'm watching my friends, um, you know, kind of go in a different direction. Right. 
And so my life was just in such turmoil that I just emptied all that out to God. And I remember saying, you know, I raised my children in God in a godly home. I raised them to love truth. I, you know, you know, like I said, listed everything, taught Sunday school, did Bible studies. Yeah. I did all the and I remember these words coming out of my mouth. I said, and this is the hell that I get. Mm. And that's when the Lord began to speak. And he said, you finally got real with me. He mm. said, all years I have been waiting for you to just get real. Everything in your heart. That's what I've been wanting you to do. And it, I mean, the tears just begin to flow. And then that's the scripture that he gave me. And then he led me through repentance. And he said, the reason why that strong delusion can come is because Luke 23, uh, no, Matthew 6 and 15 says, if you don't forgive others of their sins, then your father will not forgive you. And that's powerful. Yeah. So what's happening is I had unforgiveness in my spirit towards my brothers and sisters, yeah. towards my, I mean, my stepdad towards my mom. And I did not realize that what was happening was called a root of bitterness yeah. that in my life. And God had to start digging that out of my life. So that night I can remember laying there and the Lord even led me to the prayer of father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. And I spoke that and I lifted my hands and I asked God to forgive me. And I asked God to, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. And when I did that, when I tell you that it literally felt like a breath of fresh air in my life, like it literally felt like a, the root that was buried in my heart, kind of like, <sighs> like I could breathe, like there was a freedom there that I have never experienced before. I mean, I've ha had the Holy Ghost, but it was, it was to a different yeah. level a different depth. And so what God was doing was he was showing me how to be healed from all those wounds through my life. And I lay there on that floor talking in tongues. I don't know how long. And there was a freedom there that I've never felt before, you know, and yes, the Holy Ghost. Yes, I got baptized, but there was just a wholeness that and I'm feeling the Holy Ghost that yeah, I have. I feel it too. I, 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 I'm sitting here just yeah. <laughs> like, this is what freedom is like. Yeah. Father, forgive him. So now, now I'm not going to say that it happened overnight, but it was a gradual thing that like my eyes were once yeah. blind to all that unforgiveness that like. Yeah. It's like the were... just fell off. Yes. Yeah. And it's like. Now I look at people differently. Like when I see them lash out or I see them um, now, I'm not going to be a doormat. Don't get me wrong. But like, I see them differently and I go, mm, wound. There's yeah. a wound. Girl, let me tell you today. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, we're going to get back into it, but I'm just saying like today I, where I work and the things that I have to deal with some of the people mm -hmm. and I'm a supervisor. Oh, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so with that today, someone came into my office and said something and all I just, I just looked and I'm like, axing is, you know, it's just common courtesy, you know, not just okay. telling me you need to do something. And, and yeah. all I, so afterwards I just sat back and I said, she's hurting. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's it. Like the Lord mm -hmm. has really just been, they're hurting. Yeah. There, there, there's something inside of her or something inside of them. That's not, right. you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not on the light's not there. It just, so yeah, not to be a doormat, but also just like you said, recognizing that yes. some people's responses or some people's actions it's coming from that bitterness. It's coming from that resentment. It's coming from that unforgiveness. They're going through something in their life. And all I can do, <laughs> okay. This, yeah. this is, there you go. Not healed. See, when you're not healed, like 
back and back then, you know, even being in the church mm-hmm. when that in that wound, what it was doing was hitting my wound yeah. and healed caused me to, well, bless God, da, 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 yeah. you know, you want to react. Yes. Because I took that as a, as a, I'm not good enough right. or I'm enough, and that's not it at all. It's not you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against the wounds and the spirits and the things that have, that yeah. have bound to keep them from, you know, really truly feeling that freedom. And mm-hmm. so now you you can kind of recognize it and you know a soft answer turneth away wrath you know you say hey you're having a bad day what's going on you know mm-hmm. but like you talk about not being a doormat but just recognizing that we're all human and we we all carry things and we have to learn how to to get those things out of our life and sometimes they try to rise back up mm-hmm. you know they do you know <laughs> I'm still, I'm still working on some things because, you know, if we don't say it just right or do it just right. And somebody recognizes that and attacks that area of our life, it makes us feel like, Oh, just not good enough for enough, you know? Yeah. I've learned, you know, my frustration, you know, frustrations are just unmet expectations. And so that's where my frustration comes with, you know, family members or, um, especially siblings, you know, mm-hmm. and parents, friends, whatever. But I can't place expectation on them that they're not capable of right. doing. Like, yeah. I, like, like we just said, they're not capable of, they, they're not healing. They're not healed. And so they're not capable of being respectful. They're not capable of they don't read the word like we do. Right. You know, they, they're not in church. They, they're, they're not in church. They're not in his presence like we are. And so I can't place the expectation on them to be fruitful when they don't have the, when they're not studying or trying to have the fruit. Yeah. And we get disappointed. We disappoint ourselves because we put those expectations on them. Like, well, I treated you that way. Right. Like I want the people doing that. Hey. Like I want a sweet apple back from you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like they can't give you that. They're gonna give you a banana and it may be a little broughten. Yeah. <laughs> but just take it and mush it up and make your pancakes. I don't I don't know. I... <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And I've realized too that um people can only give you what's in their heart. Oh, yeah. If it's an unforgiveness and rotten fruit then that is all that they can give you because that's all that's there but if there's love and there's um you know just that the fruit the fruit of the spirit if that's what's in your heart then that's what's going to bubble up and come out right right that's so true so we talking about wounds we're talking about you know you talked about with your mom where is that relationship today? Um, like what we were talking about earlier, um, I can't force the relationship. I can't fix the relationship. Only God can do that. But the Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. Yeah. The will of man is something that God will not take and I cannot take. And it uh-huh. took me to realize that. That if God himself will not take somebody's will, who am I to think that I can do that? I can't. So um, I try to have that relationship. Um, I go see her on, you know, like Christmas time, Thanksgiving. Um, but she's just she's just a loner. Um, she's very she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't go out. She doesn't do anything. She's retired. Um but I try to call her and try to have that relationship. But if it's not there, you just can't force it. You know, bonds are made through the years of childhood. Now I believe that from this day forward that you can, you can build bonds, but it's gotta be a two way street. And if, if you're the only one giving and you're the only one, you know, trying to put into that relationship 
and that other person is not willing to do that, then you can't force that yeah. and respect her the best way that I can. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. going back to in a doormat because she can be very manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very, she can be very mean. Um, yeah. But I try to love her as Christ teaches me to do, you yeah. know, um, because she is a soul at the end of the day. And that's what I have to look at is that regardless to how she treats me or the issues that she has, that's still a soul that I do want to reach, you know, mm-hmm. because she's eternity somewhere. And, but I can't, like I said, I can't force that. And so, you know, we're talking about boundaries. I had to have to set those, I had to set those healthy boundaries. I can't let her just manipulate or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with they are so like, and we fail us as church people. Oh, it just, it bothers me when I see people and I, I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. You can, yeah. my family, they can tell you, like, <laughs> I will. They speak all I'm of like, us. I, can, <laughs> I am, I am not perfect by any means, but I do understand that sometimes we are the only Christ that our family member sees. And when it comes to our parents, um, we, yeah, we're, we're the only, we are really the only Christ that they see. Right. And that's we can't, truth. we can't match their energy. Mm-mm. You know, we no. can't match what they do to us because then we can lose our witness. That's right. There are so many families that are in the church that shun their own family members. Yeah. And, um, I have, I had in my first season, I had, um, Miss Terry Dunn come on and she talked about her son and how he was an atheist. One mm. thing that she did not do was she did not, she does not shun him. Mm-hmm. She goes, spends time with him. She, she lets him, she makes sure that they have a relationship and a connection despite right. the differences that they have. And I love that because yeah. so many families, they just let people go. And it's just like, they need you. They need you. Yeah. You know, your mom, even though, you know, y'all don't have the best relationship, she needs you. She does. And you well, don't know. But, but it goes back to not being healed and mm-hmm. um and just having that bitterness and you don't want to be around them. You don't want to see them. You don't want to talk to them. Right. Yeah. But you were gonna say something. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was just, you know, talking, you know, <laughs> right. what you were saying that you do, you have to, you have to still have that connection, you know, but you don't have to let them run over you. Cause my mama can, I'm going to tell you, it's just like, a, Ooh, fix it. Jesus. <laughs> and, um, very demanding and very, you know, this is what you need to do and you need to go do this and you need to go do that. Well, you know, that kind of situation and, um, you know, demanding that, that I do certain things or, uh, but that's, that's where the setting the healthy boundaries in it because she's miserable with herself. And so she tries to make everybody else around her, but I'm like, you're not going to steal my peace. (laughs) You don't have no peace, but I'm, I cannot let you steal my peace, but you know, so I try to love her the best way that, that she lets me love her. Um, but I try not to let her get my joy, you know, and I'm thankful she chose life. That's what I told my husband. Cause my husband's like, you know, every time you come from over there, you're, you know, you're on edge. And I, and I am, after I get through pouring out, you always have to find your place of prayer so you can get into because it's a conduit and it's got to be constantly flowing and trying to explain that to someone that doesn't have the Holy ghost, you know, cause, cause he says, when you come home, you're a little, you're just a little bit sharp with me. I said, because I have nothing else to give. So give me just a little bit and let me find my prayer room. Yeah. yeah. You know? I, yeah. I, I definitely understand. So and I'll get a sense of as far as just feeling just drained and just, you know, um, 
for instance, I went over there one day and um, she's in a room watching TV because that's that's all she does twenty four seven. Or she's on she's on farm bill playing on her computer. And I go in and I sit down. She's got a little chair next to her bed, and I just go sit and talk to her for a few minutes. Well, she's watching um, she's watching a show, and it's just f bombs, f bomb, f bomb, f bomb. And that's where I'm talking about setting healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. I don't there and listen to that so I just kind of said you know it's her house she can do what she wants to but I just said mom hey can can we watch something else and she's like no I'm watching this I've been watching this almost over whatever so I just politely get up out of the room and I go in the living room and she hollers where are you going I'm like I'm going in here because I don't care to listen to this now mind you I just drove two and a half hours to visit with her mm-hmm. and would rather finish this movie than she would to spend some time with me. So it's things like that. Yeah. So I'm in the, um, in the living room by myself and I'm just waiting. It's about 30 minutes later. You know, of course I'm on my phone or whatever. And, um, just making a couple phone calls or whatever. And uh, a few minutes later, not a few minutes, about 30 minutes later, she says, you can come in here now. So I walk back in there and I sit down. Well, then another movie comes on. And I'm just like, you know, this was, I mean, I don't want to say X-rated, but naked people. HBO, whatever she's watching, you know, it's not regular TV. And I look at her and I'm looking at the TV. and, And it's like, there's no conversation. So I get up and I go back into the, so those are things that I'm talking about when, when I say, you know, I want to try to have that relationship, but it's that manipulative things that she does that lets me know that she's saying I'm in charge here and this is how it's going to, and it's going to be my way or you can leave. So yet after that, I left. Yeah. She didn't want to get up and talk and she didn't want to turn off the TV. And I don't have to subject myself to that. So I just left. Mm-hmm. And of course, all and I got blessed out. And, you know, I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I understand. So uh, one of the things it's that I wanted to also just talk about is like, why is this important? for us to heal our wounds with our parents like I'm gonna do an episode for fathers and I can talk more on that because you know I lost my dad um at the age of 17 so not having him there it affected my life so I can speak on that but not having a mom Mm. what did that thinking about that and seeing other people like what did that do to you it, um, it affected me, you know, emotionally, mentally. I mean, you know, like I said, I had a lot of anxiety growing up, um, depression, um, because I would see now, mind you, I have a wonderful, wonderful stepmom. Mm-hmm. She helped me and taught me what it was, what it's like to be a mom and to be nurturing, to be caring. So I had that, but there's still something about that your biological mother or father um, not having that. It's like there, there was always a sense of, um, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, she didn't want because I'm just not, I'm not good enough, you know? And so growing up with that, you know, but I'm, I'm healed through that, but it's still, there's still this, this piece of you, that it's like, I would have loved to have that mother daughter, you know, connection. And, but like I said earlier, she cannot give me that because that's not in her heart. She can only give me what she has in her heart. And, and I did find out later on years down the road, you know, during my healing process, processing, um, and, and God healing me of some things that, um, some things that I found out about my mom that helped me understand her a little bit more. Yeah. I I was going to probably need to keep that a little bit private, but it opened my eyes to some things 
um, from her childhood. Right. So I, I think what I think, but I know what, what happens is we begin to pass down things to our children. And then if we're not careful, we do that to our kids. And I didn't realize that I was doing that to my children, you know, not abusing. I mean, in the sense of, you know, if they didn't get the right grades or they didn't measure up to my expectations or if they didn't, you know, perform, there's the word. If they didn't perform a specific way, then it was like I shunned them, you know, not meaning to. I didn't realize that I was, that's what I was doing. Like, I'm going to love you if you perform, if you're doing good then I'm going to accept you. And right. those passed down. And, um, and I had to ask the Lord to forgive me because I didn't, I didn't realize that I was doing that to my kids. And I had to apologize, you know, that I, I had to let them know that I love you, not for what you can give me. Mm-hmm. And I love you for your. We had a little, we had a little glitch happen. So we're going to just continue on with what we were talking about. Oh, <laughs> um, so not having that relationship with your mom um, or even your dad, it does, you know, have that effect on you because, you know, like I said, I had a, I had a wonderful stepmom who loved me, nurtured me and, and um, taught me what it was, what it's like to be a lady and to, you know, be a good mom and to be a good wife. And I had, I had that with her, but there's just something about, missing that with your biological, you know, mother. And, and it, it did, it, it affected me, you know, through the years, but, you know, God helps you. Yeah. He helped get through all that, you know, when you begin to dig all those wounds out and, um, oh, yeah. and realizing that she, she's got wounds too. She has issues and she has things that she needs God to heal her of, but mm-hmm. she's got a, and I can't, I can't force it, but, um, if she'll allow God and open up that part of her heart, then God's able to, to heal her. And that's, I think that's number one is just acknowledging. I think that's where we was at acknowledging yeah. their story. Yes. Like our, our, our mothers, our fathers, they have mm-hmm. a story as well. And, mm-hmm. but we can't see it because we're so caught up in ourselves. Mm-hmm. and our yeah. own heart yes and when and when you start healing the lord just gives you compassion for them that's the word yes compassion you begin to see them in a different light mm-hmm. it's like when you become healed those scales are removed and you're able to look at them in a different light yeah you know, you're able to love them as much as they will allow you to love them right you right. see them Whereas before I was healed, even being in the church, before God began to deal, dig those things out of my life, I w- I wouldn't call her. I, I didn't even want to go over there for Christmas. I wouldn't go over there for Thanksgiving. I'd make up some kind of excuse. You know, those are things that, you know, like I ain't gonna, I'm not going to go over there. I'm not dealing with her today. You know, da, da, da. Yeah. that that's you know, yeah. wouldn't. When you're not healed, you're not able to to do those things. Um, yeah. Able to love her like Christ needs you to love. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's so good. I just, I think about that. I, I think about that a lot. A lot of people, we don't really talk about mother's wounds. We don't mm-hmm. really talk about how our moms affect us or, you know, I, I and to us, to, uh, you know, to an extent, I'm, I'm thankful for my mom. If it wasn't for my mom, I just, I would not be where I am today. But I do understand that there were some things that I saw about what she chose to do and the life that she chose to live and the things that she told me that I'm like, I asked her now, I'm like, why did you do that? (laughs) Like, um, or why did you do it this way? Or, you know, why did you? And at the time when I was growing up between my dad's sickness and my other four siblings, pretty much uh, going through what they were going through, she was very, she was holding on, yeah, you know, barely holding on. 
And now that I see it now, it's just like, I have compassion about it. I'm not bitter. I'm not mad. I'm not, I I, I love my mama, uh, but I, I would say there are some things that I'm just going to do different. You know, right. there are some choices that I'm going to make that are going to be a little bit different for my family, my children. And so, oh. but I don't, I don't have anything, but I do have siblings that they have issues and they're right. like, they have wounds uh, and it's towards my mama. And I'm right. just like, you need to heal. And I told yeah. mom, I told my mom, I said, you can't take their, you can't continue to allow them to uh, punish you. Right. I said, that's not fair to you. And I said, and it's, and it's just not right. I said, so right. you have to acknowledge that there were some things that you did wrong. Mm-hmm. but they have a choice whether they're going to walk this thing out like you and me, sissy, or That's they right. or they going to continue in the world and just be broken. That is so true. And I mean, I don't know who needs to hear that, but I just said it, but you mm-hmm. know, you, we all have a choice to whether we're going to forgive That's and right. live, or we're just going to suffer and die in our bitterness and unforgiveness. Love that. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, grow to be better you become bitter mm-hmm. and that that I you know I look at my mom and she is just bitter you know she's bitter at life and she's bitter at people and you know and and I'm just determined that I'm not gonna be bitter you know I mean I know her mom did her wrong in a lot of ways her her dad committed suicide you know when she was younger and um, there was a lot of things going on there. There's, I think there's like eight or nine siblings. And um, there was a lot going on underneath the surface. And uh, I didn't, I didn't know that till just, you know, several years ago. Yeah. That's going on. And um, so my mom, she's, she's got to learn how to forgive. And, and I'm just trying to love her through that. Yeah. But she's got to want it. Yeah, and that's so true. That's so true. Well, I, I sure appreciate you and coming on. Um, I, I usually ask my uh, my guests to speak to the uh, the people and just give them some encouraging words. But you you have a song, and so I want you to just encourage them with the song that you have wrote, um, and just tell us a little bit about it, and then you can just go into it. Okay. Um, the song that I wrote during my broken, very broken moment, um, it's just talking about, you know, brokenness is, is a place where we feel like that we're going to lose our mind, but it's really a place of healing mm-hmm. and God getting down to where our hearts and our wounds are and becoming real with him and his presence and allowing him to heal us so he can use us, yeah. you know, and, and that's the beauty of being broken um, is that once we finally get real with him and really tell him, like, if our toe hurts, tell him our toe hurt, you know, that your toe hurts. If you're mad about something, guess what? He already knows, but he just wants you to tell him, right. you know, we think, well, God's not, He's too busy to worry about if I'm mad about something. No, that's the beauty of the relationship between man and God or woman and God is that that's what he's wanting. And that very beginning from the very beginning of time with walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day um, is that relationship, yeah. you know? So if you're mad about something, he, it's already in your heart. So he already knows it. So just tell him. Right. We begin to do that. That's what he's. That's what he's really wanting. He's wanting all of us. He don't want just our hands and feet. Come because, on. hey, I thought, I just got to work harder. I got to do it better. I got to do this and I got to do that. And yes, faith without works is dead. But when he has our heart, yeah. he not he not only has our hands and feet. He has all of us. Yes, every part of us. So I'm gonna um share this song. I don't know if you can. Well, I don't know if you'd be able to hear me. Can you hear? Yes. 
Brokenness is a word sometimes hard to define. It's a place where you feel like you're gonna lose your mind. But it's only a place where God can mold you and make you what you want to be. So God is good. And you know, that what he's really wanting from us is a relationship. Yeah. A genuine relationship between you and him. And when we, when we grasp that loving relationship and we see ourselves, how God sees us, then we're able to become that conduit and allow God to flow through us and out of us into the hearts and lives of those that are hurting yes, and have the wounded, you know, have that, that wounded spirit because you can now recognize it because you were once there at one time. Absolutely. I appreciate for having me on here. I hope I didn't, chop all this up <laughs> you are fine no 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 i appreciate you i thank you for joining me and sharing this this was this was so needed this is so good um thank you. i'm just in awe we yeah. need this we need this so i thank you sissy for joining me on thank here you. you're welcome thank you so much